I'm Matthew. I'm Marty. I'm Carlos. And we are the Heroes 3. Welcome to Heroes 3, the bi-weekly podcast where three friends explore the best, worst, and everything in between in the world of Asian cinema. This week we are talking about the 1991 Choi Hark film Once Upon a Time in China, starring Jet Li. And this one is part of our new kind of uh, arc, I guess, about Jet Li movies. So, uh, Marty, you were the one that kind of the idea to do this, so what was your kind of idea behind that? Yeah, uh, there's sort of like a word association thing where this is honestly probably the first movie I think of when I think of Jet Li. Uh, mm-hmm. He had had, you know, uh, a couple of film debuts prior to this, but this is really a movie that kind of took Hong Kong by storm. And eventually the the world of martial arts fans by storm. And very much like how we talked about with Crouching Tiger, this really changed the rules of the game in Hong Kong cinema going forward. Uh, I mean, it's pretty dramatic. The martial arts films that are made after Once Upon a Time in China are very clearly following in the the mold of this film. Um, but yeah, it's in some incredible filmmaking, outstanding um, martial arts choreography, uh, but also I think Jet Li's acting performance uh, here as a very young Wong Fei Hung is really, really amazing. So there's so much mm-hmm. to love about this movie and uh, can't yeah great any excuse to rewatch it is 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 a good one i think totally mm-hmm. yeah now this is a this is definitely a, a, a one i i enjoyed it a good bit it's definitely a bit longer than many of the ones we watched before it's um about a two and a quarter hours and it it's definitely it definitely has kind of an epic feel to it though yeah like there's a lot of different stuff that happens it kind of shifts between three different movies kind of <laughs> sure um it's mm-hmm. all about because i feel like there's a normal kung fu movie in this movie but there's also some other stuff around it mm-hmm. uh and that's something i really loved about it is that the kind of um the setting of it is you know uh, king dynasty china like most of these movies are but we get to see a lot more of the effect of imperialism. We get to see American and British people around and how, you know, them in the society and Chinese people who have kind of adapted to it and people that are resisting it. And it's just, it's a really cool idea. It's a really cool, like, shift that uh, in the movies we've watched so far, we really haven't seen. Like, we've seen a couple of people with photographs but we haven't seen like people with cameras or a person trying to bow and then another person saying, no, you're supposed to shake hands. And... Right. Yeah. Like the culture clash is kind of at the forefront of the movie. And um, yeah, it's, and it also, it also creates this interesting setting where Wong Fei Hung is kind of like this um, national or like cultural patriotic hero. You know, it's like, yeah, he's not just representing like the values of his school, but, He's sort of like representing Chinese people. Yeah, he almost is characterized uh, quite differently from the Wong Fei Hung that we've seen in uh, the movies that we watched uh, in earlier episodes. Mm-hmm. I kind of was thinking about it, and I wondered if I had created maybe an idealized version in my head based on uh, Quan Ta King, 
Sure. And um, this there's some stuff that he does in this movie, and I have seen Once Upon a Time in China, but now I've got these Heroes Three goggles on, so I kind of <laughs> watch movies related to the stuff that I've seen. Uh, Are those for show. sale yet? Those would be. Really uh, cool. You have them. You're wearing them right now. Oh my gosh! Well, oh, that's where they are. <laughs> yeah, and um, I like he would do some things in this movie. I'm like, I don't think that's how my Wong Fei Hung would would react <laughs> to this. But it's fine. No, I I do enjoy it a lot. And I was curious, uh, Matthew, had you? Uh, what's kind of like your history? With Jet Li, have you seen many of his films? I don't think I've seen any Jet Li films unless oh. he was oh, unless cool. he was in like a Western film that I just didn't realize. Sure. Like Lethal Weapon um, Four, if you've ever seen. I've actually seen, seen Lethal Weapon Four. Oh, so, so that was like I've, his first American acting role, and it, yeah, he's yeah, pretty much silent in that movie, if I remember right. Yeah, yeah, I think I think you're right. Yeah, and he's like a villain, so it's funny seeing, you know, it's like Riggs and Murtaugh. They're gonna fight Jet Li. Like, is this gonna happen? How is this gonna happen? <laughs> yeah. And then they like, yeah, they. I mean, it's whatever. He's the bad guy, so of course they defeat him. But it's like, yeah, come on. Like, I came here <laughs> to watch Jet Li. You know, I didn't come here to watch Riggs and Murtaugh. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, I, my brother, really liked Jet Li. I remember him talking because he really liked um, Hero and got really, oh. really excited when our Fearless came out. Oh yeah, cool, um, oh, awesome. So Both I remember. Great. I remember he always really liked them, but I, um, I hadn't seen anything with him. Yeah, I remember uh, watching Hero. I liked Hero. I mean, I like Hero and Fearless. Those are both awesome. But I think what, Hero's Zhang Yimou, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, that was cool because that's very like artistic in its own way, like these art house kind of big, huge like spectacles of martial arts movies. Those are cool. But yeah, um, absolutely, an interesting narrative in that in that movie too. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, for me, Jet Li, uh, I mean, I, I mentioned this probably in the first episode, but one of my favorite uh, movies, like in high school, was it was called Lord of the Wu-Tang, and that stars Jet Li, and it's got a couple of different names, but I love that movie, and I, I saw um, Fist of Legend, which is also an awesome movie. Gosh, yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, Jet Li, w- when I think of Jet Li, I think of like super cool martial arts stuff like not not comedy or anything like that where i mean sometimes there will be a little bit of comedy here and there and there's some in this movie as well but so let's say um, there was a weird amount of comedy in this movie i wasn't expecting it yeah yeah and uh but i always thought of him as like the the really cool guy and i mean he almost knew that too because a lot of his roles once he came to the states were this kind of cool martial artist guy where yeah know, yeah and, uh, right Right, yeah, his, where Jack Jackie's sort of persona leans into to comedy, you know, a lot yeah, more. Yeah, Jackie definitely jumped all into the comedy whenever he came to the West, and mm-hmm. Jet's definitely like the serious, yeah. you know, oh, who's this cool Chinese guy that can kick a lot of butt? Yep. Well, and yeah, and that's the other thing too is, uh, you know, Jet comes from a very different background than, um, say, like our uh, our heroic trio of you know Jackie Samo and Yun Bu, who's. Mm-hmm. Uh, thankfully in this movie also, but, um, you know, we've talked a lot about, uh, those gentlemen coming from the Peking opera tradition and a lot mm-hmm. of, uh, Hong Kong action really is connected to Peking opera, but, um, you know, Jet Li comes from mainland China and from a wushu, you know, competitive wushu tradition. There's a fun yeah. little an- anecdote. He actually performed wushu for president Nixon. 
in the the early 70s, um, we might forget that Nixon was actually really instrumental in um, kind of building relations with uh, the United States and and China. And they actually brought uh, um, a small group of wushu performers uh, to Washington. And Jet Li as a child was one of of those performers. Um, But yeah, they're... So he's, you know, coming from a, a different place geographically and also different mm-hmm. place in terms of of style. Um, but I do think, you know, whenever Jet is given opportunities for comedy, I actually think he's quite capable. And, you know, he's a really strong actor. Um, you might not know it, but actually a lot of Jet's uh, action in this movie is is doubled. He suffered a pretty bad injury. Um Oh, okay. During I was gonna ask about that yeah. because there are a couple of shots where you definitely see a double, and I was surprised to see that. Yeah, oh. it's actually it might be a little more often than than you're thinking, mostly because of that injury. There's um, uh, Hung Yan Yan who plays sort of a side character um, at several different scenes in the movie, and he has kind of a bigger role in Once Upon a Time in China too. But uh, very similar like build and height uh, to Jet Li, and he's actually doubling a lot of his action. Maybe like one-third of the way through the movie, there's a fight scene um, in this tea house where Jet has the umbrella for the first time. Yeah, and mm-hmm. he jumps <laughs> outside. Uh, he oh, jumps like, like a, through the window like on, onto the street with it. And apparently on that landing uh, is when he got injured and they actually yeah. suspended production of the movie. Um, huh. well, and during <laughs> that funny. time, they uh, they also changed choreographers during that time. So the And the movie was pretty much shot in sequence. So the fights okay, prior yeah. to that um, mm. were done by uh, Lau Gar Wing, who's the brother of Lau Gar Long, the famous Shaw Brothers director oh. and choreographer. Huh, great, and so great. it's very it's very grounded. If you notice, there's um, there's not much in the way of sort of magical fighting or anything like that. Um, uh, but yeah, some terrific choreography there. And then after the break, um, Choi Hark recruited the Yun clan, basically. So uh, in some sources, he's not credited, but apparently Yun Wuping was working on the movie, um, but it was mostly, I think, handled by uh, his two brothers, Yun Chung-yan and uh, Yun Chun-yi, who both appear as actors in the movie, too. Yeah, and, I noticed that, too. Uh, and the movie really kind of scales up the uh, choreography and the sort of the magical uh, elements of the fighting as it as it goes mm-hmm. on but uh through a lot of that yet yeah, uh jet was still a little too injured to do some of the more demanding um demanding choreography so this uh hung young yan is is doing it um but it's you know even if it's just cutting to a shot of jet like after the sort of doubling i really his acting really sells the whole thing and he's just mm-hmm. he's gonna say it definitely constantly wasn't. like in persona of this this hero this uh Wong mm-hmm. Hong, and it's yeah i mean there's only one i was thinking I w- whenever we were watching i was thinking i wonder how much of his portrayal of Wong Fei hung was just from Quanta king who played him in um up like a billion movies but specifically that we've watched um magnuson butcher and dreadnought mm-hmm. i was wondering how many of his like idioms and stuff came from Quanta king and how much of it just came from the general knowledge of wong fei hung in chinese culture yeah because you- he's definitely he's not as like as you know smile and mm-hmm. you know but i'm still can totally beat you up like Quanta king is 
but he does like he does the whole whenever he sits down he has the really wide stance and um he like always walks around with the hands behind his back and right um yeah very and he does do some of like the yeah very dignified dignified's a good word for it Mm -hmm. i didn't know how much of that was from from just the general knowledge of wong and how much is from Quantock king specifically i'd say that it's it had to be very hard to follow in the footsteps of a character like that that's appeared in literally hundreds of movies so Mm -hmm. it's gonna be impossible to avoid that influence but i think that it's pretty uh it's a pretty good departure from that uh kwanta king wong feihong where it kind of built its own character and i mean it was super popular because of it yeah well and also um Apparently, you know, for some of the Chinese audience, Jet Li was was too young for the role, and mm. I think some people didn't didn't necessarily respond all that well to it initially. Um, although I think he pretty much kind of secured his place with you know some of the subsequent films. But yeah, you know, we also had had a pretty famous young Wong Fei Hung depiction in the first Drunken Master, where, right. where I was going to say Chan Drunken Master. A, that's that is Wong Fei Hung as well. But I think they they that. kind of handled it nicely by. Uh, they sort of doubled down on the uh, yeah. his youth and made him kind of like a callous youth that still had a lot to learn. Um, and I think you could interpret, uh, you know, Jet Li's Wong Fei Hong here is um, he's not that far on the spectrum, but I think it's almost intentional that he isn't quite the Wong Fei Hong that that we know. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's still a man to be respected, and he's you know, a very decent and heroic man and a man of, uh, for the most part, really good principles. Um, at least if we're a Ch- Chinese audience, we think so. But, uh, but yeah, he hasn't yet involved, evolved into like the, almost the Confucius level, uh, that Quanta King kind of depicted him at. The kind of basic idea of the movie is, I guess the way that it starts is we, we get another, um, bit of, uh, the like we'd see like the lion dance like we did from uh, a few other movies, especially mm-hmm. Dreadnought. Um, and this is it's such a cool opening because it shows the um, you know these people are are doing like a lion dance like we've seen other movies. But then um, is it a British guy or American guy that sees them? I think it's a British guy. I think it's yeah, a British, I think it's ship a British guy. Yeah. And he sees them and like he sees the firecrackers going off and he says, oh, no, they're shooting at us. And they just start shooting at the people doing the lion dance. Right. And it's like, oh, OK, so this is this is how we're going with the movie. The, yeah, the, it's like cultural the foreigners that are right the foreigners away. that are quick to quick to shoot a gun, which we've it's, seen in a few other movies, too. Yeah, they yeah. kind of play with this uh, this whole nationalism, this kind of culture culture clash thing going on yeah and it kind of does kind of fall in line with kind of the stereotypes you'd expect to see mm-hmm. in a movie like this from this time but there are a couple of things that kind of subvert what you expect yeah um, like the priest the priest has like this interesting arc and um uh because yeah, so far he, the only priest we've encountered is roy haran and in the eagle's shadow right the lord jesus says if you're stuck on your right cheek you offer your left is that so well, here's the first one. Ah! You hit me. Jesus, he's a sinner. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> so, yeah, he's, oh, God, that's he's such far, a good... re- far removed from that. <laughs> but yeah, they're also like, bit. it might be a little unclear to a Western audience, but 
um, what what might appear like the sort of Chinese police force, uh, that's actually like a Manchurian force. So mm. for these people in Canton, those are outsiders as well. And so it's like there's a combination of forces from the outside that are trying to control this region. So it's like Manchurians and then these uh, Western and European foreign powers. Um, and Wang Feihong finds himself uh, in Canton and kind of thrown in the in the midst of like all this political unrest and yeah it's a very different setting than any movie mm. that we've come across so far which is funny because it is technically the same setting as some of the other movies but right but it's right a complete, but, yeah. but, but it's a completely different setting you know yeah in, in every terms other of way like, besides the time yeah, politics period. and culture yeah and that was another um interesting thing is whenever we see wong fei hung uh, one of the first things we see after that scene is him like you know training this huge group of people on the beach and this is when the first of probably a thousand times we hear on the general's <laughs> orders in right. the movie Yeah, uh, which, which is, like I get it. The the movie's about Wong Fei Hong's mix is to have this kind of theme song, but it's like it's crazy how much you hear it throughout the movie. Sure, sure. Yeah. And I mean I really like it. Oh yeah, I do. It too. wasn't too bad for me, but yeah, they do like every other scene has that theme in a different yeah. orientation. And I mean um, that is that is the nice thing because in like the the Wong Fei Hung movies we've watched so far, it's always just a needle drop of the same old recording, usually. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. James Wong, who took the music here, he at least gives us a, a couple of different sort of arrangements of it. And then that, scene... o- that opening song... Oh, sorry. Oh, it's it's fine. I think you were getting at what I was going to say. Cause, yeah, I, I think last time I mentioned that Jackie Chan sings it, but I don't believe this is him singing it in this scene. He sings in the first movie, but on the Mandarin version. Oh. And then it's actually George Lam, or George, George Lam, Lam, who, who sings like, the Cantonese version. version. Yeah. Cool. Because when I heard it, I was like, I haven't heard Jackie Chan sing too much, but that doesn't sound like him. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, so when we looked it up, that was, he has like kind of like a rougher voice than I feel like yeah. Jackie Chan. Yeah, and it's kind of like. interesting because, um, you know, Jackie Chan isn't as fluent isn't as fluent in Mandarin as he is as can That's what I was thinking too. Is uh, interesting challenge. (laughs) The scene's really cool though. It's, you know, this beach scene and there's like over a hundred guys it seems like all doing the same choreography in the sunset on the beach. It's like uh, very striking uh, visually. And it's sort of, it's sort of dreamlike. It's not like we're thinking Mm -hmm. that this is actually something that's like happening in the story of the movie or anything almost you know like this nationalistic ideal yeah 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 it kind of reminded me of the the opening ceremonies from the beijing olympics with like all the with like the hundreds of people all doing the exact same thing and Mm -hmm. we um whenever we get a first shot of like the city it's really it, it kind of sums up the whole movie just in this little bit where we see American forces and British forces all walking together along with the Chinese and 
like there's the priests that are walking down with right. but all of like the choir boys are all chinese and they're like singing while the the chinese men in the tea house are all playing their music and like fighting them and it's this I great single take music. too and this like crane comes out of the window of the that's tea such house a cool down shot into the street it's really beautiful and it's yeah it's so like you're saying it's so densely populated and there's so much uh, texture to the to the film, not in this shot only, but really throughout throughout the movie, it's really kind of separating itself from the martial art films that we would have known up to this point. Yeah, this movie. I mean, uh, I guess it's like kind of like a Choi Hart kind of style that I kind of picture in my head when I would think of movies from this time, where um, you don't get to see it until um, the action kind of. Uh, gets a bit crazier about halfway through the movie but there are these visual signatures that I kind of think of like kind of quick zooms at an angle on a character and scenes where there's heavy lighting from the background but it's dark out and there's like kind of smoke blowing around it's windy Um, these are the kind of cool stylish things that I would think of uh, when I think of like Choi Hark and movies from this time because like other movies would definitely take cues from that and it's it's very effective there are these really cool shots like fighting in a in the rain and and these things that i just can't get enough of that yeah yeah there's very very prolonged sequence in the rain and then there's like a fire that has creates this huge you know smoky area and and like the very very last fight scene that's like what is it that's in all like the the bundles it's i don't know something but it kicks up a lot of like dust and mm. it's really cool yeah it's a cool bit yeah, that, that, throughout the movie. that final sequence is like yeah put this movie in a yeah. museum i mean it's <laughs> yeah it's incredible yeah it's yeah. really cool um i want to you make me want to jump into that but we should probably yeah get well to that i mean but yeah we, we can kind of things... bounce around because we have a uh i think you may have said matthew but it's yeah it's our the longest movie that we've that we've watched so far um mm-hmm. longer even than crouching tiger hidden dragon yeah. so um, one other thing i want to say um before we jump into like the main antagonist in the movie who doesn't really show up until well he shows up early but he doesn't show up as an antagonist until like halfway through the movie right um but uh before we get to that um we get to see a couple of the like there's there's four main people at poshi lam the like the school slash clinic that Wong Fei Hung runs. There's Wong Fei Hung, um, Butcher Wing, or they just call him Pork Wing in the version that we saw. Mm. I think that's Lam Sai basically means like a pork butcher. Mm-hmm. Right. Um uh Buck Tooth So, which I thought was kind of funny. Yeah. Like, again, and, and like we've we were seen saying that character last be- week. Before yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah, like we were saying before, it's funny seeing that character whenever it's in a Chinese production, because like that's you know this the stereotype in, in a lot of old American predictions of Chinese people. So it's funny seeing like oh that's actually like a that's kind of a thing in their culture too. Mm-hmm. But uh, even it's kind of interesting. Yeah, they give him an interesting background. Oh yeah, he's, I love his his background. Yeah, super interesting. Yeah. He was yeah, he, from America, I guess, yeah. or he, and he doesn't speak so, Chinese very well. Yeah, so, so. he kind of. Uh, they almost play it like a speech impediment, but whenever he's trying to speak in Chinese, he's having a lot of trouble. And yeah, he like stutters. But then when he, he when he gets to speak in English, he's like incredibly he's fluent. Yeah, yeah fluid. And <laughs> he kind true. of almost he kind of almost sounds better than the Western actors that are <laughs> right. in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> and he's he's portrayed by uh, Jackie Chung, who is a famous uh, famous pop singer. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. 
Oh, really? And yeah, really yeah. great, really great actor here. Um, and the actor mm-hmm. who plays Lam Sidewing, I think, is is terrific. And those are big shoes mm-hmm. to fill when Samo, you know, had portrayed it oh, so yeah. famously. Um, yeah, and, and then, it's crazy because he's like he's massive. Yeah. Like, yeah. He is Absolutely. very large. Like Samo is not exactly tiny, but this guy. Um, His name uh, is Kent Chang. Uh, Kent Chang, yeah. yeah. Kent yeah. Chang is is very large, but he he can still move. Like yeah. not quite Samo levels, but he can still move. Which he's is been pretty on impressive. a lot of stuff too. I remember. Maybe a lot of people might remember him from Ip Man because he plays yeah. uh, kind of a secondary character. Actually, I think his name is Fatso. In <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. <laughs> But, I, um, I thought that he looked familiar. Yeah. Uh, in this, that's that's funny. Yeah. Obviously, Itman was a, a good what fifteen years later, or something mm-hmm. like that. He's been in a lot. And then the other main kind of person that we see in Pochi Lam is, again, I think Thirteenth Ant or Thirteenth Aunt yeah, is 13th the aunt. is mm. the like proper way. And this version, it kept saying Ant Thirteen, which really threw me off. Yeah, it's more like because that a... sounds. Android that sounds like something. a yeah. I was to say that sounds yeah, like, like a character Ball. from DBZ. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's interesting, and I, um, I love this character, and she's portrayed wonderfully yes. by a uh, Rosamund Kwan, who mm. yeah, the the camera very much loves Rosamund Kwan, and it's really interesting. Uh, we talked already how there's like a culture clash kind of at the forefront of the movie, and she kind of embodies this culture clash almost maybe more than any other character where she's been, mm-hmm. you know, trained in the West in England and she dresses in a Western way. Um, so visually just kind of like representing this other world. Um, but to Wong Fei Hong, she's the 13th aunt. And I I think it's great how sort of specific that is. And it's like, wait, what are you keeping? Like, how are you <laughs> keeping track of that? She's basically very far removed, like from his, you know, from his actual bloodline. And I was looking into this and it, it doesn't even really mean that they'd actually be related at all. Um, she could be connected, you know, through marriage, you know, several yeah. degrees, several steps away, but to Wong Fei Hung, she's kind of like this untouchable, at least romantically, you mm-hmm. know, she's, she's untouchable. And, but her character, um, you know, sort of sees things differently. And she kind of wants to try to push Wang Fei Hong into kind of more of a Western ideology. And in that ideology, you know, maybe like their love could be accepted or something. And so that's yeah, kind of yeah. an interesting it, like element that runs through. A yeah. massive of a, of a thing, or at least that far extended family right. isn't as, as essential. And that's, their sort of storyline runs through like the first three movies of the, of the series, actually. But. And uh, a little bit into the movie, we get to see an old favorite, Yoon Byu, shows Yay. up. Um, and it was it was kind of funny when I, f- like I knew he was, I-, I didn't know that he was in the movie when I first watched it. And then whenever I was kind of watching it and looking it up a little bit, I saw Yoon Byu and I was like, oh, who's Yoon Byu? And because every, almost everyone in this movie has their hair, like in the whole, it's shaved in the front half and, <laughs> and braided in the back. So seeing him without like his little, you know, nerdy straight hair that he does in most of the movies uh, that we've seen yeah. so far, I, I really didn't recognize him until you see the close ups. And then it's, you know, he's unmistakable. Yeah. And also when you see the close ups, you kind of see that he's wearing like a skull cap. Instead yeah, of he's definitely not wearing just <laughs> having a shaved head. head. It's kind of <laughs> a, a little obvious. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. If yeah, maybe... I would say it seems like maybe half of the actors. um went all the way with shaving mm-hmm. their head and there's it seems like there's a lot of skull caps too you know it's interesting um 
Yunpyu did not uh, reappear in the in any of the sequels, uh, playing the character of Foon. And apparently, he he says that when Choi Hark pitched the movie to him, that uh, Foon was really going to be the lead character. And there was some kind of precedent hmm. for that because in the old black and white movies, uh, even though clearly Wong Fei Hong is you know the beloved hero, often he would kind of stay back um, and kind of watch over the school, and it would be the character of Foon that would really get into kind of all the adventure. Oh, mm-hmm. and definitely, you know, I think you could make maybe a ninety-minute cut of this movie that would be a little more Yun Biu centric. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> But it's clearly Jet Li's, Jet Li's movie, and so I think he felt a little bit uh, misled and not necessarily mm. very inclined to uh, appear in the sequels. But, I mean, as always, he's outstanding here, and he uh, he depicts a character that we've seen in the past uh, as part of, you know, part of Pochilam. Actually, we've seen him depicted by two different actors, once Yoon Biu in Magnificent mm-hmm. Butcher. Um, yeah. So it's kind of interesting he... Uh, is playing that again in a very, very different sort very of different film, uh, I, and he I, gets he gets a really great arc where he's yeah, almost he adversarial does. to Wong Fei Hung. It's and, almost uh, kind of like it, it could like if you wanted to interpret it that way, this could be like a Lung Fun origin story. Yeah, <laughs> that kind totally. of just wasn't given the spotlight as much as it yeah. could have been because yeah, he kind of finds himself in the movie. He kind of consumed with kind of finding a master and then he kind of gets tied up with the wrong people but then in the end he realizes what's really right and wrong and you do by the end you do get some really great um moments with you know jet and yunbyu together and also the mm. fact that they're adversarial means they get to engage in a, a little bit of fighting in the movie which is mm-hmm. yeah. pretty amazing i was gonna say that's um the main antagonist in the movie is uh he comes known as iron vest yim and he's yeah. this he's this uh you know kung fu master guy that is really like basically he's called iron vest because he's essentially bulletproof uh like he's the first time we see him he's like has these spears being pushed against his neck and he breaks them without them stabbing yeah. him <laughs> right and i would uh, i would say that he's sword proof not necessarily yeah, he's sword proof yeah he's <laughs> at the he, spoiler he believe, alert he believes he's not, that he's bulletproof but yeah, yeah he, <laughs> he believes he's bulletproof he says he's bulletproof but, uh, he he gets some cool stuff too because yeah lung fun first encounters him on the street and he's basically uh doing parlor tricks for an audience so he can get money mm-hmm. and uh it's very impressive but you kind of get a shot of him kind of picking money up off of the floor and that's kind of a cool thing that they call back to later in the movie where uh, he wants to basically make a name for himself in the martial arts world. But mm-hmm. uh, opposite to Wong Fei Hung, can, he'll make decisions that aren't necessarily um, just. And uh, right. that, that ends up becoming part of his demise. And that's, that's sort of what ultimately um, pushes Foon away. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when he yeah. kind of sees he sees what's really what's really at stake like morally there's a scene not too long uh after we've after that you know the street performer little bit where um wong fei hung kind of goes to meet with one of the big british 
kind of rulers over, I think it's the British ruler, over this yeah. area, which that's kind of interesting, cool, because then we get to see a little bit of the other British imperialism with uh, Indian, and we see a lot of Indian people and people with, like, like Sikh turbans oh, on right. yeah. um, around, which is kind of, it's kind of interesting seeing, like, oh, it's all kind of, like, blending together. And then they big, de- they depict Wang know. Fei-Hung's character, um, and so he he's, like, never seen... Uh, Western dining, and so that's right. Because he he's grabs like, the why fork. Are, why do like, they have little swords have and so daggers? daggers and... <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a ni- it's kind of a nice moment. And I also like yeah his remarks on the menu. He's kind of looking at the menu, and he just tells uh so hey just tell him to order us some dim sum. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> that's where we get to see So's perfect English. Oh right. Yeah yeah. yeah. Excuse me. We have an appointment in this restaurant oh. with Mr. Jackson of the Sino-Pacific Corporation and General Wickens of the British Forces. I presume they would have reserved a table for us so we could begin to discuss this matter more leisurely. Yeah. You see some good English. <laughs> um, that's right. Okay, and this is whenever it cuts back over to Yim Bu's character, Foon, who he's like the ticket taker for an opera. And oh, right. then he got kind of in a run-in with, uh, with a gang. And basically, he, he I, I'm pretty sure he just... I forgot what gets him to, but he gets like starts to run away and um, the people just start chasing him. There's this really cool uh, chase scene with them all yeah. going around, um, but that they eventually lead back to the restaurant. So Lung Fun encounters the Xiaohu gang and he doesn't want to fight them. They're all chasing after him and he ends up in the marketplace and he bumps into Lam Sai Wing, which he already encountered with Wang Fei Hung. So this kind of gets everything tied together where uh, Lam that's Sai right, Wing and yeah. Lung Fun are kind of standing together. And Lam Sai Wing mentions Wang Fei Hung and he's got his squad. It's like a gang fight, like a street right. kind of thing. Yeah, because Wang Fei Hung and all his people to go up against the gang and all yep. their people. And and Wang and... Fei Hung in this is similar in the Kwang Taking portrayal whereas he's not necessarily he doesn't want to fight he he's looking to avoid a fight and yeah. um yeah. and he encourages that of his students too to not right um, so long Sai Wing continually seems to be scolded because he's uh kind of hot-headed and he's quick to enter right. into combat and uh he's got his gang and it seems like it's kind of going to die down, but Lung Fun instigates some more and it turns into this huge brawl. And eventually they end up crashing through the wall of the restaurant and uh, like all this, you know, this nice uh, dinner and everything gets completely trashed with these two gangs all fighting against each other while all the while Wang Fei Hung is like really mad and trying to get all the people to stop fighting. He like catches silverware and plates out of the air as they're yeah. getting thrown. It's some really cool stuff. And he's also being kind of introduced to Foon, and he's like, "Wait, who are you? What's going on?" Yeah. And they're introducing themselves to each other, but also kind of engaging and fighting. And there's a lot of layers to this sequence because there's a this Westerner that basically like insults, you know, Wang Fei Hung and the Chinese there, like calling them devils, and they're kind of squared off so uh yeah we really have like forces from a lot of different directions here um you know it's not just the gang against like the pochi lam crowd but um it's some of these western powers against the pochi lam crowd also 
Yeah, it's like Matthew says, there's like kind of your basic kind of dynastic uh, martial arts movie, like a kung fu movie, but they mix it up with all of this kind of international uh, like kind of tension. And um, I think that they play with it the most in this scene because in the action, you see um, they're fighting in this fancy uh, European style building and they have like a like a trio playing music there's like a guy with a cello and some violin stuff <laughs> yeah and then during the, takes the yeah cello during the fight you it. see lam sai wing using the cello and then lung fun yeah. is like dual wielding violins yeah, with the violins <laughs> during yeah. the fight i love that a lot but um this ultimately creates a bad situation for everyone because um the officials the officer you said them like the manchurian officer he uh he wants, you know, he he sees Wang Fei Hung as the problem right now, and then mm-hmm. uh, the American, uh, they're not happy with the situation too. And um, Jackson, the American, kind of has this uh, kind of a bodyguard. He calls him Tiger, and he's like yeah. the Westerner with uh, fighting skills in this movie. And he gets <laughs> a couple of good scenes, and I kind of like. I like him a lot because he. He's totally martial arts stunt guy from yeah. the 80s, yeah, but they totally. just put a wig and an outfit on. That's him. exactly what just, He say. totally has that look to him, except he's wearing like a long, a long Right. Uh, I think the actor hair. is named uh, Steve, Steve Tartaglia. Steve Tartaglia or Tartaglia. Yeah. I wasn't yeah. sure. I looked um, into him a little bit, and if you see, he's got, he was like on Buffy and like Angel a lot. <laughs> like he must have been working. I looked it okay. up and... It, everything was just stunt, 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 stunts. Yeah. He was just he was just a stunt guy that was in a, a billion different movies mm-hmm. throughout the eighties, nineties, two thousands. So after this, that uh, th- that's right. The like you're saying, the Manchurian people like barge in and are like, "You're Wang Fei Hung. Your militia caused this, you know, issue, and and we're gonna have to break it apart." So at this point, this is whenever. Like the 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 group that's friendly to the Westerners, they are the ones that are going to take over the city now. And Wang Fei Hung's forces are all all sad, and they're all right. like they're all eating in one room together, and they're like kind of just piddling around with their food. And he has to like order them to eat in order for them to actually eat anything. Yeah, it kind of positions Wang Fei Hung again as this kind of leader, more than just. Um, that he runs Pochilam, but that everyone really looks up to him, you know, culturally almost. So right. you kind of get that kind of analogy in this scene with the food. But and and we get to see in the next scene though that he like he stops a robber from the uh the gang that started the fight, the um Shaho gang. And he's like stops a robber or um like a, he's trying to like extort one a guy at a shop and everyone's like all impressed. That's whenever he does the Mary Poppins float down with yeah. the umbrella. So yeah, yeah. that's, that's said, the point where we have the he said that's the where injury. he yeah yeah that's where he got injured. But whenever he does that, all the people are saying like there like now we can take him to the authorities and everyone then just kind of like walks away because they don't want to get involved with that. <laughs> yeah. uh, they don't want to get involved with the the westerners. I also like that shot too with the umbrella. Um, you you see like the balcony. You can see that the it's already broken before they bust through it, and yeah. um, you get to see a little. Right, it's bit probably of like the, take four or something. Right, right. You get to see a little bit of the wire work that would become a staple to this, mm-hmm. and 
um you know in this movie we'll see a lot later of the the wire foo that uh really took hong kong action by storm yeah. in this period and that, during the and 90s. that's apparently something that Choi hark was really looking for he i guess was was not all that pleased with the direction of the choreography up to this point in the film which is why i think um you know he sort of sh- shuffled up to the, get a new, the new chore- choreographer yeah, new chore- choreography team um but i think it actually ends up aesthetically working really well in the movie because we very gradually kind of introduced um you know the more kind of metaphysical side of the side of the fighting yeah and yeah like i said i had seen this before but then i was watching it again re- you know for this and i'm like half an hour in and i'm like where's all the crazy flying around that i remember <laughs> and right. it's almost like yeah you can just put a timestamp on it like from this point on in the movie you get to see this the crazy stuff that you're used to seeing uh, right. later on when it's funny that how our memories work for like groundbreaking movies like that. Like I'm sure after Star Wars, it's like, oh, you know that movie where there are just lightsabers all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But Even it's, though there's almost no lightsabers. Yeah, in the first yeah, movie. it's very selective. And um, actually, yeah, rewatching this, I felt the same way. Like I think the wire work is very selective, and for the most part, I really like that. Yeah, where, um, where really it happens, like, like, is where it needs to happen. Mm-hmm. It's very dramatic, yeah. Because it, it's a... one of the first things you see in the movie, and I was thinking, is this going to be, like, all over the place? But it really is done in, like, a good selective way. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I feel like with Crashing Tiger, obviously, it's kind of built into the story of the movie that people can literally fly. Right. So in this one where it's, you know, it's pretty grounded more or less with, with a couple of exceptions mm-hmm. um, with some right. of the crazy stuff that happens later. Uh, but it's, it is definitely, it makes sense. It's more um, appropriate. Yeah. So, okay. We can uh, jump ahead a little bit after this uh, mess with the, um, the foreigners and the Shaho gang. You've got uh, Pochi Lam. Everyone's back at Pochi Lam. But the Shaho Gang, they kind of pull like a drive-by. These guys are kind of yeah. scummy, yeah. right? So, yeah. But a drive-by back then would be dress Maybe up. Fire arrows, I yeah, guess. <laughs> in black outfits and just toss fire arrows at the place. So uh, they attack Pochi Lam and uh, everyone's caught on uh, off guard and... Uh, it creates a big situation, but then the uh, officers show up again and they kind of put it on Wong Fei Hung. They're yeah. saying, you know, like, hey, like, what do you know about this thing. situation? Like, you're the one that's responsible for all of this. So it's yeah. it's kind of messed up. The, the thing I like is 13th Aunt, even in the midst of all of this, she still she takes a picture, wants to take a photo, which is weird. Yeah, just to kind of capture this moment. And yeah. Wong Fei Hung uh, really puts her to task for that. Where uh, he has this fan that he was given uh, in the by, very beginning. Yeah, yeah very, one of the generals at the beginning where they had kind of this nationalistic discussion. So he kind of treasures it because it represents uh, like his beliefs on nationalism. And uh, I, say, I want to say it literally, from what I've read, it yeah. literally says something like the like Chinese principles mm-hmm. for, you know, for living by. Yeah, and sure. One of the characters gets burned in the fire. 
Yeah, yeah. so... Um, Sorry, one of the characters on the fan, oh, not, yeah. a, right, not a right, character. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I, we both paused, like, did we yeah. see that? <laughs> um, but yeah, so she does initially try to save it, but she drops it because she's more concerned with uh, taking a Friendly photo. And, well, and there, there is a running thing, like, with the photo and... Uh, without spoiling the end like the photo taking is like important and apparently what that plays into is there's not a surviving photo of Wong Fei Hung the real Wong Fei Hung Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. so there's this they have a lot of fun with almost getting a photo of Wong Fei Hung like multiple times I really love Uh, that yeah Yeah, I remember looking into it I was kind of curious because I remember seeing that and the thing said there was one photo that people thought but it turned out it was actually Wong Fei Hung's um, son or or one of his students or something like that Mm -hmm. so at this point this is whenever we get the um the priest saying like hey i know that the shaho gang actually did this and like i'll be a witness for you it's kind of a nice turn Uh, because there's a scene a little earlier where the priest shows up uh to wong fei hung and he's kind of trying to convert him and wong fei hung is very disillusioned at this time and he says something along the lines of like jesus like what can jesus do or you know will jesus be my witness because i i'm trying to do right here and the people around me are too afraid like what can jesus do to help me but then Mm -hmm. it kind of turns around on him where the priest sees the shaho gang earlier and then the priest arrives at the uh, aftermath of pochilam being burned and the uh, manchurian like officer says oh this foreigner he'll He'll take my side because he's very anti Wong Fei Hung. But the priest actually helps out Wong Fei Hung by saying that I will be your witness. So it's kind of a nice turn. Yeah, uh, it's really for cool. The priest. It's I cool didn't scene. expect. Yeah. And like every, I said, like, it, it pays off scummy. like the earlier conversation where he's specifically asking like, well, could Jesus be my witness? Yeah. And, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, that that's another thing that might separate this movie is there are a lot of elements that are set up earlier that that do actually pay off in the in mm-hmm. the course of the in the course of the film. Uh, at this point, we see the Shaho gang kind of going to the Americans and saying, "Like we'll, you know, if you guys will help, you know, protect us from the cops, basically, then we will." Um, essentially kidnap women and help you prostitute them to people in America. Yeah. Which is like, that's just like, hey, we're the bad guys. Guess what? <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> it's not enough that we have scars on our faces. Yeah, yeah. So if you, in case you guys didn't know from the setting it on fire yeah. and, and Although compared to black, like the, the other movies uh, around this time, like this movie does have so many layers uh, and I guess you could say solid subtlety like relatively speaking yeah so mm-hmm. yeah so it does it just kind of it might help actually having a little bit of this like irrefutably bad yeah behavior here yeah during yeah. this we uh we also see the american ship and there's some guards like just kind of sitting around and then uh they one look of like the Chinese... civil war like yeah, soldiers the way they're dressed it's yeah. it's pretty cool and the yeah, the American flag has a certain amount of stars, but I didn't do enough homework to see if that was well, right or not. I just looked at it and I was I was just I was half expecting it to just be a full fifty, yeah. and they just didn't even try. But it was it was a, a an era appropriate okay. amount of stars. Well, then what happens is one of the slaves escapes, and that's another thing that will lead to things that pay off a little later. But this is whenever we get the scene at the at the opera. Um, 
which there's kind of a goofy bit where Lam Wing stops the actors from getting in while he's checking people's tickets. <laughs> yeah. And he and um, who, who's it with him? Lung Fu. That has to. And Lung, yeah, OK, him and, and Young Foon have to basically put on all of the makeup to be in the opera themselves. Yeah, this which is, is just funny seeing right. seeing this, you know, huge guy wearing like all the stuff and he walks out and everyone starts making fun of them. It's <laughs> funny the immediate reaction from the audience when they see uh Lam Sai <laughs> Wing come out yeah. and they're like, Whoa, who is this? And everybody starts to get really rowdy basically a star is born. The, yeah, that section of the That's right. One born. of the one of the people says, um, white snake, I guess he's gonna be fat snake now. <laughs> what's yeah. what's great about this sequence, um, not only does it kind of I don't know, speak to maybe the Peking opera tradition of like Hong Kong movies, but um apparently in the old black and white Wong Fei Hong movies, uh Peking opera featured pretty prominently, but a lot of times it would be almost like a break in action, kinda like vanilla ice in Ninja Turtles too. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> exactly like that <laughs> yeah but you know where it's sort of like it was a break to more like showcase like those theatrical performers and so it's it's really great how here in once upon a time in china we kind of get it both ways like it's part of the story um it's part of the tradition of you know hong kong movies um but then we also get some really interesting you know choreography and oh also there's apparently an I'm not sure whether this is part of the Wong Fei Hong legend or actual history, but there was apparently a a fight like at a at an opera, like a at a Peking opera studio, like with hmm. Wong Fei Hong and and his students. Mm. Um, so this is kind of also paying tribute to oh, that yeah. sort of historical event. Oh, cool! Yeah, Didn't know that. Because that's what happens next is um, these two performers are like doing backflips off of the stage. And they both throw like daggers towards Wong Fei Hung, and he's able to like dodge out of the way, and or like catch them in his hand because yeah. you know he's super cool. But the Shaho gang ambushes them, and this big fight breaks out. And of course, the the Westerners with their guns just start shooting everyone, <laughs> including just people who were there, not people in the gang. And yeah, and this it's, is it's a meant rough it's scene. meant to be brutal too. It's like oh yeah, it's in slow like, motion. This is the and, bloodiest scene easily in the yeah. movie. And we like, see Thirteenth very... Aunt like really, um, really stunned by by yeah. what she's seeing, and definitely you know Wong Fei Hung is taking it all it all in. You know, it's it's you could argue like one of the central kind of themes of the film is the um the rise of like you know western weaponry and how it threatens you know like the kung fu tradition yeah so you see yeah all these people getting killed and the shaho gang continues to um mount an attack and they do an interesting thing where they have like uh some kind of powder that they throw down and they refer to it as limestone powder and I looked into that a little bit, and that that's like an like an ancient like battle like weapon like it's almost like a form of tear gas like before there was tear gas because oh, wow. the limestone powder will attack all the mucous membranes uh, in your body. So there's been like stories of like historical battles like where they'll have huge carts full of limestone powder, and the wind will blow it towards the opponents and it'll be very debilitating. So 
That was an interesting thing that I didn't know about, and I, I looked into it a little. Oh, wow. But the other thing that I really like about this scene is um, this is when a lot of the action really explodes, and Wong Fei-hung is thrown in the middle of this, and it seems like uh, 13th Aunt, it, you know, if she's in the middle of things, it's like a trigger for him, like, all right, now I'm going to start whooping butt. And stylistically, one of the things that I really like is this the sound effects for all the hits in this movie, like... I really noticed it here, but then moving forward, it it sounds a lot like a fighting game to me. Like there are only <laughs> these multiple hits. Like it almost has yeah. like hit sounds from like a fighting game. And I oh, mean, crazy. I guess mentioning gotcha. mentioning that, um, yeah. there's yeah, a lot yeah, of that's right. fighting you game influence. Yeah. In uh, I mean, Wong Fei Hung is a character, and this movie, Once Upon a Time in China, was so popular that. Of course, fighting games are going to take a little bit of influence yeah. from them. So there's a couple of characters that um, I'm familiar with. It's They're very obvious uh, tributes to Wong Fei-Hung. So there's a game called Last Blade on the Neo Geo that I really like. It's uh, kind of you know your typical 2D fighting game, but it's very well done. And it's a period piece fighting game, so you get a lot of samurai-type characters. But there's uh, one character named Lee, and he's straight up Wong Fei hung him this game. He carries a fan along with him and um he uses kung fu instead of using a sword or an axe or something like that that the rest of the characters would use. And uh, that's the character I play as in that game. And oh, I have nice. a lot of fun <laughs> using him. I actually it's funny because in in Tekken I use Lei Wu Long and he's very obviously uh Jackie Chan tribute. So I guess my kung fu roots, uh, you know, They've have been there chosen all my yeah. yeah, yeah, my characters I like to use in fighting games. There's another game called Martial Masters, not Martial Mathers. Martial, not Eminem. The Martial Masters LP. Yep. Yeah. It's a it's a Asian fighting game. It's not developed in China. I mean, in Japan, it's I believe it's Taiwan. It, it's Taiwan. Yeah, yeah. that's what we and know. that's. That game's the closest we'll ever get to like a once upon a time in China game because the main character, his name is Master Huang, and he's also very obviously uh, Wong Fei Hung character. And not only that, but you get a 13th uh, aunt character. Her name is Cao Jin, and she's actually a hidden character in the game, which is weird, but she kind of has goofy attacks. But one of the other things that she does is she uh, can call out Lung Fun and Lam Sai Wing and even Buck Tooth So for some of her attacks. And doesn't she have a camera of some kind? Yeah, um, yeah. So also? one of her like super attacks is she'll attack you and then she'll jump back and uh, uh, So will show up with the camera and Lam Sai Wing and Lung Fun will pose for a picture. So <laughs> there's awesome. some fun stuff with that. Yeah. And that's one of those things where, like, that is unmistakably riffing off of, off of this <laughs> yeah, movie. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Because, like, some of the stuff, like, you could see is just being, you know, generic from the, the Wong Fei Hung kind of myth. But that is that is literally straight from the movie. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very obviously inspired yeah. by this movie. So that's yeah. fun. I, I really like it. And the games. Oh, yeah. That's fun. Both of those games are great. I love them. If, you, if you're into mm-hmm. fighting games, I would... Highly recommend. I mean, if you're into fighting games and you're into kung fu movies, you've got no choice. You got to check these games out. They're not as <laughs> so, easy to come by. And actually, yeah. I actually did encounter Marshall Masters arcade cabinet where I live, which is very rare. And I didn't oh, cool. even realize it at the time. But um, 
Um, nowadays, you can probably check it out either like on Mame or you know some type of emulation. Yeah, it's, it's always Mame, or just yeah. dust off your old uh, Neo Geo. Like, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. Spend a ridiculous amount of money on a Neo Geo, and then spend get a... get, get six AA batteries for ten minutes. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Yeah, it's fun stuff. But I mean, yeah. okay, going back to the movie, um, yeah. this scene kind of culminates with a couple of things where uh, the priest uh, is caught in the middle of this fight and he actually dies saving Wong Fei Hung. That's uh, right. That's, he like takes a bullet for him. Yeah, that's pretty tragic. And it's like, great, though. The one good guy foreigner just, <laughs> just got right. shot. Yeah. Uh, Wong Fei Hung runs into Lung Fun. And Lung Fun's in disguise, and there's this little case of mistaken identity between both of them, and they end up fighting each other for a little bit. There's, uh, yeah, this kind of scene where he's climbing the rafters of this, like the back of the theater, and you get a little yeah. more of the, uh, some wire stuff where Wong Fei Hung has a staff, and he goes after Lung Fun in midair. Looks cool. But again, we end up seeing that the Manchurian officer is uh lumping in Wang Fei Hung with all of the gang members. They're going to kind of bring him in, but they finally they make an agreement that they'll let him stay free long enough to treat all the people that have been shot. Yeah, he's kind uh, of put in like house arrest. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a good way of describing it. And this is when we cut back to Iron Vest Yim, who is, you know, incredibly good kung fu and, you know, is beating up a guy, but we see that he's also completely poor because, you know, being good at Kung Fu doesn't make you money. So, right. Uh, and that's that um, interesting and, dynamic in the first scene that we see him in that kind of unforgettable scene uh, in the rain and in slow motion, he's performing right. his iron vest and then onlookers are just throwing small coins down at him from balconies up above. And Yoon Bu's character is like seeing all this and he came to Canton you know, to study Kung Fu is like, you know, very idealistic and to see kind of how little respect it gets. It's like hits him really hard. And um, so it's, it's interesting like that. I think that's a very like powerful scene in the movie, but like you guys have been saying before the character then kind of disappears for, for quite a while. So mm -hmm. when, when we, when we get back here, it's um interesting kind of like tonal shift and the person that he's fighting in this, uh in that sequence uh, and God, I love the cinematography and just the staging. Of it's that, mm -hmm. it's of beautiful. That yeah, but yeah. It's... That's that's uh, Yuan Chongyan, the next mm -hmm. next eldest of the Yuan brothers. Um, and d on, depending on some accounts, like probably the primary um, choreographer from uh, you know that moment that Jet Li is injured to to the end of the movie. But all the mm -hmm. Yuan clan had was involved in in some capacity. It sounds like yeah. I love that's this right. We so get a much. we get a great um, like Shaw Brothers esque spurt of blood at the very <laughs> yeah. end of the fight, which it was kind of cool seeing that because you know we we've only had the one Shaw Brothers movie, so it's 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 neat seeing that to kind of come back because yeah, totally. the movie really isn't super bloody, but there's there's a couple of good little bits thrown in there. Yeah, when it when it is bloody, it's pretty bloody, but it's not yeah that often. But this yeah. fight's so awesome. We're uh, it's like this dramatic standoff between two martial artists and the setting is awesome. We've, we got this thing, like I was saying, where you can tell they have like huge spotlights in the background to light up the mm -hmm. fog and it's very windy and dramatic. 
and um, there's this huge fire this going huge on. Fire behind, and the whole thing is you don't understand why they're fighting, but um, all you need to know is that uh, Iron Vest, uh, this other guy, the the other guy tells him like, "I'll give you three strikes," and he quickly understands that he shouldn't even have given him one strike because every time <laughs> right. Iron Vest gets an attack, it's very debilitating. And um, the opponent's using a sword. And this is where you see him, like, truly he is Iron Vest because uh, he strikes him with his sword and he doesn't, his clothes get cut, but he does not get cut. Right. And uh, ultimately, he defeats this opponent and that Lung Fun sees all this and he realizes, hey, like, this is the guy that I need to learn from. So Lung Fun takes it upon himself to kind of, he wants to be a student, but he has to prove his loyalty. So... Uh, he also sees that this guy is very poor and he's starving. Mm. He's looking longingly at some food and he uh, tells so he, his like, master. He steals food from like some, yeah, some bowls. Hey, let me get you some food. And he like he like scraps some leftover soup and gets it to him. There's this messed up thing too where uh, Yim is sitting uh, at a stoop next to like a brothel and there's like an old lady and she just totally spits at him. <laughs> She's like, yeah. oh, you <laughs> piece of crap. And she yeah. spits at him. I was like, whoa, that old lady just spit. <laughs> and it's funny because I almost felt like that old lady might have been like a cameo from someone somewhere else because she literally appears oh. here, has a really nice shot of her, but you don't see her ever again in the movie. So I didn't oh, know if that's, there's... That's interesting. I haven't, I haven't looked into that. I wouldn't be surprised yeah. though because you're totally right. It's definitely like presented in a way where... Like if this was a, a Marvel movie, that would have been Stan Lee. Oh. Like... <laughs> Yeah. Stan Lee is an old brothel lady. I want to see it. It's an old them. Yeah, I would totally see that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then after this, we get a little bit. The the scene I like is Wong Fei Hung contemplating, you know, what's happening, and uh, him and Thirteenth Aunt are sitting in a room, and he's holding this gun that's you know symbolizing oh, yeah. everything that he's he dislikes about you know this foreign. Uh, mm -hmm. power coming into his land and he grabs one of the bullets and just he's like a human gun he just flicks it at a uh, marble sheet and destroys just it breaks it yeah yeah that's awesome <laughs> now, speaking that of stan lee like he there's an untapped superhero here and uh, yeah <laughs> totally <laughs> he's definitely a superhero yeah flicking the uh, yeah oh, but this leads cool. us into the next uh great action scene where uh yim and lung fun show up at pochilam and mm -hmm. yim explains that he wants to make a name for himself and he's here to challenge wang fei hung and yeah. um this scene is amazing as well they're out in the courtyard in pochilam and it's completely it's like a torrential downpour yeah and it's them standing at attention ready to fight each other and they're looking at each other's feet and there's like who's gonna make the first move and there's mm -hmm. an amazing like uh choreography like bit where they're knocking this wooden pole around and it's in midair flipping around it's like <laughs> that's goofy it's yeah. so goofy but it's cool because it's like is really cool in a way you would think that okay they're gonna be using the wire for themselves but it, the wire in the fight the is for the, the pole, pole. <laughs> yeah because it's cool it starts off and it looks like it's framed almost exactly like the kung fu movies from like the 70s because mm. like the framing is like it's really it's a really wide shot he's like sitting on the table they break the table and start fighting there right 
kind of going back and forth. But then whenever they go outside with all the rain, then yeah, we see really this, this goofy, like... crazy thing with the, the pole f- basically floating around as they're kicking it and stuff. And that's like, you don't, you don't see that. <laughs> you don't see well, that. And there's some like movies. gorgeous sort of like Dutch angles, like really close yeah. and gently, like as the rain's falling down and they're pumping a lot of, a lot yeah, of it's... water into the set. It's really something. The fight <laughs> itself isn't very long. It's only like a, like three or four minutes, but it's yeah. awesome. And, uh, you get the whole ultimate kung fu insult where you're gonna destroy the sign of wherever you. Go. Yeah, I'm saying Pochi Lam sign just can't get a break. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I wonder how many Pochi Lam signs there have been over the years. Right. <laughs> well, and it's tough too because Wong Fei Hong abandons the fight. I'm trying to remember, but he's the he's only like reason trying is, to protect. Is yeah, he trying to protect like Thirteenth Aunt or something? Yes, she kind of gets caught in the middle of it because Lung Fun gets thrown over. He's distracted by that, and that's how Yim kind of gets the advantage in the fight. And although he doesn't, like, absolutely defeat him, he does get some solid hits in and declares a victory, but it's not a fair victory. So Yeah, he and he even says, like, oh, this was this was too easy. Let's yeah. meet again tomorrow. Like, let's have a real fight tomorrow. <laughs> Which is weird. Okay. Like, he kind of gets it both ways. Like, he destroyed the sign, but didn't acknowledge it as an actual fight and then he yeah he also we should say he destroys the sign like on foon's chest yeah um, this is yeah. a really cool shot of his foot breaking through the sign i mean this has to be kind of a point in the production where if yun bio was a little upset about um how the movie was misrepresented i don't know you can kind of picture him in this sequence like wait a second i i'm definitely not the hero of the oh yeah (laughs) yeah because now foon becomes basically his uh like starts following yim around as and he he's uh yim kind of becomes the leader of of the shaho gang and like declares himself like you know the greatest master whatever that's right before this the like the governor's forces try to like try to capture Wong Fei Hong, right? Well, they kind of burst into Pochi Lam after all of this has happened, and it's kind of like a surprise where he thinks that Wong Fei Hong is harboring some, you know, some people that he might not, uh, you know, it's again with the Shaho gang. But actually, Wong Fei Hong is more concerned with that slave because that slave ends up finding his way to them, and they find out well, the real That's plan right. that the That's Americans right. are... Um, stealing chinese people under the guise of them getting work but they're just making them slaves so this kind of uh thing is very important and they don't want it to get out because they need to figure out a way to stop all of this but um 13th aunt and so kind of steal away the the slave and they're kind of on the run so this kind of splits up the group and um what ends up happening with them is that uh when they're on the run they accidentally run into the Shaho gang and um very tragically that slave that they're trying to save he's he's murdered and then uh 13th aunt is taken captive so this kind of sets up the final uh sequence of the movie right because yeah like uh like you guys have said before like we know by now whenever 13th aunt is in peril that yeah Wong Fei Hung's aggression is like will finally come out yeah so then we get a scene because after all of this mess, um, Wong Fei Hum says, all right, 
you guys can take me in. I'm going to submit myself, you know, for the sake of Po Chi Lam. And uh, he's in prison. Lam Sai Wing is also in prison. And um, I forget the name of his other student. But um, uh, then you get a scene where uh, we see the other Yun clan member, uh, Yun Shun Yi. He shows yeah. up as like kind of like a good Samaritan uh, officer. That's right. And he, he yeah. like lets, he says like, oh, like I have so much respect for you that I'm going to let you out. Yeah. He's like, listen, like we can help you get out. But Wang Feihang even at that time says, hey, we have to respect the laws of China, mm-hmm. but he won't go. So then right. uh, what ends up happening is So shows up and he uh, very clearly tells Wang Feihang that uh, 13th aunt has been captured. And uh, his other student even says, hey, how did you say that so clearly? He's like, I've been practicing it the whole way here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's great. So this is the trigger, like we said again. So then yeah. Wang Feihong's like, yo, let's get out of here. Let's find yeah. this, these jerks and save yeah. 13th aunt. Yeah. So they kind of have like a funny thing where like they're making their way in haste, but it's on, on bikes. Because, <laughs> you know, like in a more modern movie, they'd be like hopping a car or something. But they're all yeah, like riding absolutely. on bikes together. It's kind of funny. Yeah. I was going to say, that's, that's a funny thing, seeing, seeing the bikes mm-hmm. and, you know, seeing bikes juxtaposed with you know this this uh 19th century china mm-hmm. you get um, yeah, uh, totally. kind of a uh very scary scene where uh 13th oh, aunt yeah. kind of runs into this kind of leader of the hung his name is the leader of yeah. the, kind of the underboss of the shaho gang he was the leader yeah. of the shaho gang before iron vest jumped yeah. in to be the, the and leader. uh she, you know, he knows that she's involved with Wang Fei Hong, and but he kind of has his sights set on her, and uh, she's basically captured. It, you know, and they have they have this like Hansel and Gretel oven that then they're <laughs> that like, that'll that's right come that's, into play later. But there's a yeah, very kind of violent, bloody scene, yeah, where, super uncomfortable yeah, scene where like she strikes like, him you know, with this wooden. Um, well, she strikes him with this stick, and he then like really is violent with her and yeah you, you kind of are like really worried about her like what's going to yeah. happen right now but um, right. but at the same time this is whenever foon like realizes like like he's gotten in with a really bad crowd and he runs away and sees um the the guy kind of assaulting 13th aunt mm-hmm. and um he jumps in and 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 rescues her and like fights off all these great we get a great um I'm sure other people do it, but I think of it as the Yu and Bu kick, where like he jumps in the air and kicks both of his feet at once, and then falls flat on the ground. Oh, yeah. sure. Um, I like that. If yeah, if you have to call something the Yu and Bu kick, I think that's perfect because it's also <laughs> it, it's it's like selfless. Do you know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's like whatever whatever it takes. Like in this moment, mm-hmm. and I don't know that captures Yu and Bu somehow. Yeah, during yeah. this scene too, we. Um, like just before that, the, the thing that really makes Lung Fun snap is that uh, Yim is kind of showboating in front of the gang members. That's yeah. right. And it's That's right. really troubling uh, Lung Fun. Like he, he's like, this is messed up. Like, and he accidentally knocks down the kind of, it's like this dirty money that he's going to use to, Yim is going to use to start his school. And uh, Lung Fun 
sees this he's like this is messed up like these guys aren't good this is dirty money like you can't do this and he knocks you're it down doing this just to show that you're the you know the coolest kung fu guy yeah. and you're you know, right. enslaving people for it and actually yim kind of has this like in his eyes there's this justifiable reason where it's like hey the world isn't perfect sometimes you gotta yeah. like do bad things to make good things happen something yeah. like that but and there's yeah it's a great uh great close-up on on him like during this sequence mm-hmm. like on, mm-hmm. on on the two of them and it's like it's sort of like tracking along his uh along his face as yeah he's trying to kind of make this like moral relativity argument and um yeah. and foon finally like yeah this is like you guys are saying like this is the last straw it's like yeah and you know whether it's like he's had enough of the influence of like the pochilam crowd or just you know has his own kind of internal compass um tells him but yeah this is this is as far as he can go yep so he finds uh hung attacking uh 13th aunt and he beats him up but what ends up happening is this is just after lung fun ran away and kind of betrayed the shaho gang in a way so uh he is positioned as like like they they kind of frame him like he was the, actually the one uh, assaulting yeah they try to say he was the one that was assaulting but obviously it wasn't yep so yim sides with the gang and they capture lung fun as well but there's this the the chase scene before they capture him is great though oh, oh yeah this uh, is like the trampoline he's like, stuff. He's, yeah let's say he's um there's all these um it's like cotton or something it's these big bales basically that are covered up so you can't quite see what's in them but yeah. it's something that's soft Looks like fun. Um, yeah, as I'd say, um, as he's running away at one point, he you can't see what he's jumping on. It's very clearly just trampolines, but it looks like he's jumping on like these big bales mm-hmm. um, uh, as he's getting away and doing lots of great spins. And yeah, it's and just I a love great because, like Yunbyu moment. I mean, like a, yeah, sort of what we saw in Wheels and Meals, like taken to the next level. Yeah. yeah, like he knows that he can't fight Iron Vest, but he you know is going to try to run away. And it takes good and advantage then, of this um, this particular set, which our whole yes, like finale our, takes place in. And yes, this is uh, if you've seen Once Upon a Time in China before, this is probably the first location that pops into your mind because um, oh, yeah, there's just something is. so distinctive and just visually sort of, sort of beautiful. How mm-hmm. uh, how much detail and this and place is actually is I, I didn't I definitely didn't connect it until. Like I had to go back and and make sure that I thought so seeing that right. This is like the port that that the Americans are running. Yeah. So, um, which I completely missed that whenever I first was watching it because, um, you see, uh, so Bucktooth so coming in saying that he has some more women for the the, the trafficking, but of course it's Wang Feihan and Lam Sai Wing, um, in like. Hood, like hooded over and they're trying to sneak in and that was whenever i was like oh oh those are the same place okay cool yeah yeah the other thing uh, i but, think is funny is they make lung fun into a piñata basically yeah yeah, yeah that's right <laughs> they have him hanging from some ropes and all the dudes are just hitting him with sticks which sucks that sucks yeah yeah <laughs> no candy from one. this piñata yeah, yeah. Uh, but then um, Wang Fei Hung, they come in, and Wang Fei Hung and Iron Vest have like their final, their final bout. And it one thing I love about a lot of these movies is 
a lot of the craziest fights take just something mm-hmm. and then make the whole fight circled around that. Yeah, yeah. So, like, right, there'll be right. fights where the whole thing is over, like, people trying to fight over a gun or, like, jumping from tree to tree and, and crashing tigers, stuff like that. Right, it's like there's, like, a little musical motif and then a development yeah, section. And, and the, the motif in this is ladders. And the so, development is crazy. Yeah, and the development is completely amazing. nuts. Yeah. It starts uh, off very, crazy and it gets even more crazy. Yeah. The very first thing that happens in the fight is Iron Vest grabbing a, a, a ladder and like slowly placing it down in front of Wong Fei Hung. And it just, from then on, it's just them grabbing ladders and climbing up them, swinging them around, breaking them in half. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. And it's... Um... I think this sequence is what made this, at least like in the West, like such a coveted movie. It didn't really get an official release. So this is something that was, uh, from what I recall, like very heavily bootlegged and traded and that sort of a thing. And mm-hmm. the word of mouth that, you know, kind of came from this sequence was was pretty incredible. I mean, and it's, uh, however many years later, I haven't done the math, but um <laughs> It's yeah, it's still. Well, I have a... actually. Oh, I've okay. done the math <laughs> because I said this to Carlos after we were done recording, and he wasn't too happy about it. This movie came out whenever I was just under one month old. Ugh. Wow. Yep. <laughs> Get out of <laughs> here. No, but it's yep, cool August, that we're in like August fifteenth, nineteen ninety one. So it's <laughs> so it's it's uh, right around twenty six years old. Yeah. Wow. No, that's that's great. So like. <laughs> I mean, very much like like you, Matthew. Twenty six years later, and it's extremely impressive, and it's still like a nice. You know, well, thanks. Well done. Dropping thing. So <laughs> you're yeah, just you're just saying that because inside you're like ah, stupid young people. <laughs> no, no, not at all. I'm definitely not one of those millennial haters. No, um, you're ba- you're a millennial, Marty. <laughs> that's what they say. It's weird. I'm kind of on the yeah. You're kind of on the board. I guess, yeah, I but... think that I am too. It's weird. I don't. Whatever. Who cares? But the, but the thing who, about this, who cares? this fight <laughs> that kind of drew me back to when I was young is, you know, when, you, when you're young, sometimes you do some crazy stuff and looking back on it, you're like, man, that was so crazy. Why did we even think of doing this? <laughs> or like so I, reckless or something? Yeah. I had a friend in grade school. This must have been, well, maybe closer to middle school, fifth grade or something like that, where um, when we had recess... We would, um, there would be barricades that would close off the street in front of the school and the kids would all play in the school. But those barricades were always laying around on the side. And on the side of our building, there was like a little staircase, maybe like four or five stairs. And we had a friend, this big dude, big dude. So what what he would do is we would lay the barricade out on top of the steps and he would jump on one end and launch us up into the air uh from the other end like a seesaw kind of thing and uh we would do it all the time and we would fly up into the air like maybe like (laughs) eight feet into the air or something land on the grass like this ladder sequence totally reminded me of that and i'm like how did none of us die or break our (laughs) arms or legs or something It was a lot of fun. Oh, wow. <laughs> I gotcha. Well, you have to imagine that there were a lot of injuries in this sequence. And I think you can point to this finale as uh, kind of the catalyst point for what we might call like the wire foo sort of era. Yeah. And But it's funny, like the other sequences we talked about, uh, it's not as wire heavy as 
as you might remember. And even in the wire-assisted moments, there's still so much artistry and just incredible physical performance. It's There's always a great blend. There's never just... Yeah, there's um, still weight like a, behind it. Yeah, I feel exactly. Like usually the, the thing that makes wirefoo stuff kind of look cheesy is whenever it looks like there's just nothing to it. Um, but, you know, there should be a little something to it, you know. Yeah. Again, again, Crouching Tiger, it's supposed to be effortless right. because they're literally flying. But this, you know, there's still weight to it, even though they're climbing up ladders and sliding down them and 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 everything. The difference yeah. between this and Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon is, yeah, that, that weight. So, like, in this movie, when they're using strings, they're, like, flying at each other like torpedoes. They're super fast. And a lot of times they're spinning, like, 20 times in one shot whereas in crouching tiger hidden dragon they were floating around very gracefully and stuff like that so you kind of see that and it kind of takes you out like oh they're flying like that's but in this movie it's like whoa these guys are moving super fast across the screen it's very dynamic so even though yeah we those both these movies use strings they use them very differently and that these crazy fast like movements like really keep the pace up in the fight. I love the energy in the in this fight. It's mm-hmm. really cool. Yeah, and if you compare this to uh what I don't know, you might think of as like the golden era of kung fu or the era like prior to this, the late 70s and uh early to mid 80s, um there's just nothing of this scale. So, right. you know, on on top of really the depth in the storytelling, the beautiful cinematography, uh, the really just daring filmmaking throughout this movie, something that is of this scale uh, and like literally the scale, like it's vertically, it's like, it's so tall and it's like using resources and elements like you, you know, no one had really seen in a, in a fight um, before it's, it's yeah, just signaling a brand new era in filmmaking. Um, it, and it's funny, like the legacy of this sequence, I don't know. Have you guys ever heard of this movie called the Musketeer? Um, mm, no, I'm not familiar with it. I'm trying to remember the the year of it, but it's um, it's yet like another sort of a retelling of the of the Three Musketeers, um, mm-hmm. and actually, I think the choreographer was uh, Hong Young Yan, who we mentioned is doing most of the Jet Li doubling. Oh, but the finale of that movie i think it's i believe i've got it right um yeah the musketeer involves the sequence with all these ladders and there are apparently like a a large percentage of that fight that is just like lifted from the choreography of oh that's of this scene yeah that's vaguely familiar to me because i do remember uh a very like musket yeah i knew it was something like that that's great that you mentioned that i want to look into that movie and watch it again because i remember seeing trailers for it and i'm like whoa this is crazy it's like very european but the action looks so dynamic i never yeah, saw like it very hong kong yeah. yeah i never saw i never saw it either um but um but yeah apparently hong yan yan uh did the yeah responsible for the choreography there and you know he was extremely involved in in this movie but yeah anyways it's it's hard not to um to think of this sequence when you think of ladders or i guess yeah, if you think cool. of ladders in like martial arts there's two sequences there's this with like you know more old school bamboo ladder and then for aluminum ladders you got to go with a uh, first strike with uh yeah of course man jackie course. chan i am kind of interested like you know western movies but with 
kind of the skeleton of like Hong Kong. I mean, not necessarily. Well, maybe down the line we could approach some of these movies, but like there's a oh, lot like of the Matrix or something like sure, that. Sure. I mean, yes, yeah, stuff like that. Do you remember this movie called Drive with Mark Dacascos? Have you guys? Seen I know it? the movie. I haven't. I haven't seen it. Oh but man, I, I, I know. The movie. I really lo- that was like one of the first Western movies that I saw that like kind of matched the energy of Hong Kong action and. I remember seeing that when I was young and thinking it was awesome, but I wonder who was involved with that movie. I don't know. Mm. Something for later on, but it's interesting. But uh, after their, this big fight, uh, we see 13th Aunt getting like put onto this boat with a lot of all the other women. We get uh, the, the, all the people, all the Pochilan people trying to get in there to, to, uh, to rescue them. And this is whenever we get to see, uh, the uh, tiger, right? The, yeah. the white guy bodyguard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we get to see him in action. He gets a great fight with uh, UMBU. Mm-hmm. And it's funny saying that he, obviously he still has his stuff, but he's definitely doing a very Western style of fighting, like lots of straightforward punches and yeah, kicks. more of a boxing, Not, boxing. Of a yeah, very boxing, very like fisticuffs kind of. Like he even has the whole like the old school, like both hands up. Like at his at his face, like both. Dude, you know what would be face, great like is picture. to have like a sort of East meets West thing in this period, but it's like a super British gentleman fisticuffs, like <laughs> yeah, you I know, love that. like arms curled, pointing back at you. He has big with mustache, like big mutton chops, and um, <laughs> anyways, that would be amazing. Yeah, and all the history of of Hong Kong movies, there has to be at least a little bit of that somewhere. You know? Yeah. somewhere i guess it's up to us to find that huh yeah i guess so <laughs> um but there's um uh it kind of cuts between those two fights and we it's great at one bit we get to see that uh iron vest actually has been cheating and he has like a dagger in his in his braids yeah, yeah. he kind of shows his true colors or yeah. you know he's not he's not on the side of justice he's just on the side of winning <laughs> he's got yeah. a dirty trick up his ponytail <laughs> but yeah. then um uh again we see that uh 13th aunt is like the the key to filling wong fei hung super meter because he hears her <laughs> screams like she's getting pulled away and he just like launches this flurry of kicks it's like a like a spinning like missile of kicks yeah. attack at uh well it, and that's a depiction Yim. of like the famous wong fei hong kick which is like the no shadow kick the shadowless kick that yeah, yeah. They refer to yeah it's really it, cool it's so super fighting game stuff too like yeah it totally is like the the spinning in the air and yeah, and yeah it's that. crazy thinking this is like 1991 uh like positioning it relative to like street fighter and the fighting sure. games Oh yeah, yeah. that's right, We're right. Like whenever the games are getting big, yeah. yeah, it wouldn't be for a couple more years when you'd see like more dramatic, like super moves and stuff like that in fighting games. But mm-hmm. yeah, they're the you know one influences the other. It's it's really cool. Oh, and then we were talking about that dagger. And I might be jumping ahead a little bit, but um, there's a, a really cool moment where Wong Fei Hong oh, yeah. ultimately like pulls the dagger out. And without even looking, he throws it off to the side and yeah. the dagger flies through these two hoops. And apparently that has something to do with like the Hungar style. That's Wang Fei Hung style, Ooh. which is that uh, when throwing a spear, you're to have the aim to be able to throw through two, two hoops. So Whoa, it's like, cool. seems like this little aside, but it's really like tied huh. into like the legend That's really of neat. Wang Fei Hung. 
So yeah, there's, I was wondering, there's just so many great little like, really details neat. in the in the movie, man. Uh, but whenever Wong Fan goes up to, um, to try to get onto the onto the ship, um, all of the of course all of the men on board start shooting at him and like pointing a freaking cannon at him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they tried to shoot him with a cannon. Amazing. Yeah, <laughs> and it's great. Um, whenever they're whenever they're trying to shoot the cannon, um, Jackson, the American leader guy is saying like which degrees to turn the cannon mm-hmm. and then Bucktooth so since he speaks perfect English says no <laughs> you need to point it this direction and they all shift it and blow up one of the I think one of like the British ships yes. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah that's where you should needle drop in like Beastie Boys sabotage totally <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah he's uh, but that gets that gives awesome. enough time for them to for Wong Fei Hung to get up um onto the ship to uh save the day yeah but then just, i think um, i think prior to that is where yeah, we have kind of like one of the central lines of the movie where mm-hmm. um like iron vest is has been shot and is like full of blood and that's right he gets shot like he gets shot while they're trying to take out wong Fei yeah Hong, and he tells like as wong Fei hung is kind of like holding him in his final dying moments he says our kung fu is useless against these foreign guns yeah it's, yeah like it's really something to 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 chew on, you know. Yeah. And um, even though Barmy was thinking, yeah. yeah, but you also were selling women to slavery, so yeah. <laughs> right. This um, uh, kind of philosophy, actually, Jet Li himself has spoken like this, you know, in real life, where people would always ask him, "Hey, you're martial arts master, right? Like, have you ever, you know, used your martial arts on the street?" And he says, "No, I've never had to do that." And actually, you know, a true martial artist shouldn't have to just, it's not a competition where, uh, you know, you're just trying to be the best at something. It's uh, like a philosophy right. of your life where you're yeah. always going to try to avoid confrontation. And he says, like, you know, you're never going to, you, each situation is different, but chances are if you're fighting somebody with a gun, you're not going to be able to kick it out of the way. Like, you might get shot. So, uh as a martial artist, you're trying to avoid these conflicts. There's a, a awesome bit inside of the the ship where um, that same uh, leader of the gang gets basically gets tackled by all of the women, and they're next to like this huge the huge furnace that's powering the ship, and they all like push him into it while he's like kicking and screaming to get out of it. It's such a cool cool way to yeah he to you know kind of get rid of the character yep, yeah that's he that really gets what's coming to moment yeah. uh then uh jackson kind of in a last an a- effort like in some desperation um takes one of the um he takes like the main manchurian guy captive yeah um, like hostage and has a big like sword up to his neck and he says um, something really vile like not till every last chinese person yeah yeah or something it's yeah, yeah it's he gets disgusting. gets good um and that that's actually a bit that we completely missed was that jackson speaks fluent cantonese and um and so he's saying all this vile stuff in cantonese yeah uh but then wong fei hung has one of those bullets from the beginning of the movie and he like literally flicks it so hard that it hits Jackson in the forehead and kills him. Yeah, it's like it's such shot. a cool. And, yeah, and also he and Foon cool are like are a, a team at this point. Yeah, like confronting yeah. him, which is great. And so again, I'll go and talk about the freeze frames. I'm really glad this movie does have a freeze frame, but <laughs> it doesn't end right here because some of these other movies, right. it would be the freeze frame will be him looking at Jackson with the blood coming out of his head, and that'd be it. 
but for this one, we get kind of a little epilogue where um, we see uh, Wong Fei Hung and Thirteenth Aunt in back at Pochi Lam, but Wong they're both wearing Western clothes, and like all of the other people kind of snicker whenever they see Wong Fei Hung wearing like a top hat and suit. <laughs> but he yeah. looks like super cool. Like yeah, he looks oh, yeah. gently looks amazing. Yeah, very dapper. <laughs> and they decide to take um to take a picture of all of them together, and the the final. Final, final scene is them taking the picture, and then right before they can take the picture, who is it that? Um, it's I think Lung like, Fun. yeah, Foon is like, yeah, yeah, running in the background or something. Foon like runs in the background, and everyone turns around, and the freeze frame is the picture of all of them completely not looking at the camera. Yeah, because yeah. what it is is the you kind of get an internal monologue of Lung Fun saying something about 13th aunt, like, hey, like, right, maybe if I get with, with her, like, you'll have to call me uh, uncle or something. And <laughs> yeah. at the very last minute, he tries to stand next to her for the photo and everybody turns their heads. Yeah. yeah. It's good. And that and that's Pretty playing great. into that joke we were talking about earlier that, you know, there's no surviving picture of Wong Fei Hung. So this like, yeah, yeah. keeps that So keeps his, that his face alive. is completely obscured by the by the hat and everything. And then what's great is we don't even technically end on that. Uh, we cut to the sort of training on the beach um, yeah. kind of world and as the credits roll up over that. So, yeah. um, you know, not that every movie in this period was still ending with the freeze frame, but it was still yeah. definitely a, a common technique. And it's uh, yeah. like so many elements of the genre, uh, Choi Hark is just kind of putting that to bed, mm-hmm. like really establishing a brand new normal. I'm just excited to see more Choi Hark stuff because it's just funny that the way we were introduced to him was him as an actor. I think that's really cool. I think I I like that. That's how you were introduced to the guy. Mm -hmm. And uh, Once Upon a Time in China 2 is really good. Um, Yeah. Yeah, that's something we should mention. If uh, you're not familiar with it, there are, what, four sequels? Or there are four Once Upon a Time in China movies? Yeah, there's a lot. Jet Li was in three of the Once Upon a Time in China films. And the first two in particular are are six, actually. Yeah, and then then they made Once Upon a Time in China 4 and 5 with a different actor. And then Jet Li came back for Once Upon a Time in China and America. America. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which Samuel Hung directed, and it takes That's place a... in the Wild West. And there's kind of an interesting story there where Jackie Chan had shared his idea with, you know, his big, big brother, Samo that he wanted to do some kind of kung fu movie in the Wild West at some point. And Samuel kind of ran with that idea for this, and it really upset Jackie, actually. And uh, Is that he, why he did he, Shanghai Noon? No, because he had been planning Shanghai Noon for years. And so, oh, so he's like, you jumped the gun. Yeah. So me. he was, and he was publicly very upset with Samo, and Samo publicly, you know, apologized, and they, they of course uh, made up, um, you know, in Shanghai Noon, um, you know, it was a big, big hit and everything, but mm-hmm. kind of an interesting, um, interesting little tidbit. And then there's another movie that you could sort of see as like a spinoff and it's like a uh, directed by Wong Jing. <laughs> We've seen mm-hmm. that name before. Uh, and it's more of like a madcap comedy, but it stars Jet Li as Wong Fei Hung in this mode. And it's actually choreographed by Yuan Wuping. Um, and uh, Gordon Liu is actually in it as a villain. Oh, and, um, very cool. Yeah. It's a really terrific. Gordon movie. Liu of uh, 36 Chamber Shaolin fame. Yeah. And a billion other things, but that's the one I know him from. <laughs> Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Um, 
and so you could kind of and kill bill right isn't he a guy in kill bill yep yeah yeah exactly he's um he's a couple he's like of characters. the main yeah yeah exactly i mean he's he's wonderful in the kind of like the the training sequence that sort of sends yeah. up the uh the old like Shaw Brothers movies, but oh uh, yeah. Anyway, the, the comedy movie that was called uh, um, Last Hero in China. So. Mm. And Donnie Yen is also in Once Upon a Time in China too. Yeah, yeah, oh, he's terrific, very cool. terrific yeah. in that movie. Oh, yeah, so that's Once Upon a Time in China. I was, I enjoyed it. It's definitely, it, I don't know. I'm, I'm impatient when it comes to movies, so the length was kind of got me a little bit. But, yeah, it is long, but it's, but it's very cool. And it does and that kind last. Of take it that last fight scene's incredible sure sure and yeah that's something that we encounter episode after episode it's like you have to kind of uh find the good and some of the stuff that maybe you can't appreciate at first yeah and this movie right. is long it's 215 around and actually mm-hmm. the action doesn't really start up until about half an hour into it <laughs> but yeah. uh it's awesome right. i love it and just you know it's a Wong Fei Hung again, and we get amazing action and this, you know, wire foo that we see in this movie, like things like the Matrix wouldn't exist without it. Yeah. I love the setting too. Like I love the exploring of, you know, the 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 East meets West and like the, you know, imperialism and how that affected because uh, you always read about it in you know history class in a very abstract like oh yeah there was imperialism right. that happened in China have from a lot of different angles the Chinese did like all the gold mining and stuff but seeing like that actually from like a you know a more personal perspective I guess it's really cool that's kind of why I liked uh, in a in a kind of different direction that's why I really liked um, Itman is because it's a similar yeah. idea but with the Japanese a little later right right. Well, and I like um, I, I was rewatching um, actually the the audio commentary on the Hong Kong Legends DVD. It's kind of infamous because Bay Logan invited on um, one of the actors, one of the Western actors that's um, that's in the movie, um, mm-hmm. and he plays more of like a a minor a minor role. But the actor's name was Mark King, and he mm-hmm. couldn't be more of a sort of like difficult co-host in this audio oh, commentary no. <laughs> he he has no shame in like besmirching all of hong kong cinema has oh, nothing wow. positive to say about <laughs> movies in general anyways and bay logan is you know, kind of heroically gets gets through this all but uh anyways a really nice tidbit that that he shared uh in the course of the commentary was you know this is one of those rare kung fu films where you could either remove the fights or turn the fights into sort of conversations or some other kind of form of action. And the movie still works and it really uh, is held together. And I think, you know, Choi Hark set out uh, to make a piece of, you know, cinema that could really uh, stand up internationally. And I think it's, it's not a coincidence that the title, you know, kind of ties into the Sergio Leone, you know, classic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Once upon a time, the last. Um, and I think it, it kind of it belongs in that kind of great corpus of uh, of of cinema, and, you know, not just for us kind of kung fu fans. It's just really a great movie. Yeah, it was a lot of fun revisiting it. So thank you so much for listening. Um, if you have any comments or feedback you want to say, um, we always post this on Reddit. If you want to leave one there, if you want to leave us a review on iTunes, that would be amazing. 
are, are, are there reviews on Stitcher? I never use Stitcher, so I don't. I don't either. I don't know. Yeah, um, I think there is. Well, there is a way to to rate and review. Um, okay. Well, so rate yeah, review if... wherever you can find us. That'd be amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Here's Three Podcast. Um, we are on Facebook. Just search Here's Three Podcast. We'll be the first one you find. So next week, uh, we're going to continue with this uh, Jet Li arc. And what movie are we going to be taking a look at, Marty? Ooh, I want to actually. I'm this. gonna yeah. I'd oh, like actually, to hand oh, this over oh, yeah, this to is Carlos. Carlos. That's right, Carlos's idea. We yeah, mentioned the one. movie, this but this is near and What's dear our to train? Carlos. So. What's our train for next week, Carlos? So finally, we get to see it. Uh, Lord of the Wu Tang, <laughs> Kung Fu Cult Master, as it also is known. I've also right, heard it, like it referred to as the Evil Cult. This is a <laughs> Wong Jing movie. Uh, it came out shortly after this. In uh, let's see, what was it? I think it was ninety. I think it was ninety three. Ninety three. Yes, this movie uh dominated my high school life. Uh, (laughs) I had a VHS tape that I passed around. Actually, I don't think I was the original owner. It might have been my friend Alberto. Um, but needless to to say, yeah. So shout out to Alberto. Shout out. Still friends with him today. Yep, and um, it's yeah. This movie's great. (laughs) (laughs) It's a period piece, but it's almost a comic book movie in a way. It's got, (laughs) it's nuts. It's nuts. I can't wait to talk about it. And we get to see Mr. Sammo Hung. Yes. Yes. A lot of characters we'll we'll see again. I'm very excited to watch. Oh, I'm definitely looking forward to watching it. So until next week, where we're looking at Kung Fu Cult Master or Lord of the Wu-Tang or Kung Fu Master or the Evil Cult, who's <laughs> called a couple of different things. <laughs> I'm Matthew. I'm Marty. I'm Carlos. And we are the Heroes 3. Remember your training. <laughs>